0: Welcome to Arkansas AgCast, your source for the latest news and views in Arkansas agriculture. Arkansas AgCast is produced by the Arkansas Farm Bureau Federation. This is Keith Sutton with Arkansas Farm Bureau. Today I'm in Jonesboro at Arkansas State University. I'm on the campus to visit with Dr. Elizabeth Hood, uh, who is a distinguished professor of agriculture here. Dr. Hood, welcome to our AgCast today. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. We'd uh, like our readers first to know a little bit about what you do at ASU, if you could tell us, please.
1: Okay, as you said, I'm a distinguished professor of agriculture, and I mostly do research. Um, I do a little bit of teaching. I am called a plant biotechnologist. So what that means is that I take crop plants and I put genes uh, that are not normally in a crop plant into the crop plant. So I make genetically engineered corn, um, specifically. And we do it to um, try to understand not only how corn works but to make new kinds of products. And I also have a small company here that is a spin out from ASU and we are trying to commercialize some of the technology that we learn about during our research at the university.
0: And. This research you're doing, I know it involves some graduate students here at ASU, and uh, and it also involves a team at UALR, is that correct? That's correct.
1: Um, I have two masters students here at ASU that are doing some hands-on work with the corn, um, and they just started, so this project is very new. We have also recruited, um, in collaboration with Dr. Dan Burliant at UALR, a- a PhD student who's going to be doing a lot of the bioinformatic analysis of the data that we collect
0: up here. A lot of us, uh, we all know what corn is. We know it's been around thousands of years, and we probably, most of us thought, what more can we learn about corn these days? But there's actually a lot we could learn from your research. Could you uh, try to explain as best you can for for us laymen, what you're studying about corn and how that might relate to us. Sure.
1: Um, As far as learning a lot about corn, it's an interesting statement to make because about nine or ten years ago, uh, the entire DNA composition of corn was sequenced. So now we know the entire A to Z sequence of all the corn chromosomes. And so when you do that, you do it for one line of corn, and then you start sequencing other lines of corn, and you begin to understand that they are not all the same. They have a lot of differences among them. And so it's been quite the interesting learning process to start comparing all of that. I don't do that kind of research, but it does lend a, um, an interesting uh, aspect to how much we don't know still about corn after all these years. So my particular research is to use corn actually as a tool in some respects, and we have used corn as a factory, a biological factory to produce proteins that are important in industrial applications. For example, some of our proteins that we produce in corn can be used for remediation of pollutants in the environment. And some of our enzymes or proteins can be used to treat recycled paper pulp so it makes better paper um, with better properties for reuse. And so I'm Quite interested in improving the environment and making um, uh, solutions that are biologically make sense. And in the process of putting these proteins and genes into corn kernels as our factory, we have learned that we can make lots more of our protein if we do certain genetic tricks with the corn. And those. We, we understand how the tricks work so we can make them work in our favor but we don't understand the mechanism of those tricks and so the project that we now have with um, Dr. Berland at UALR is to start looking in the corn embryos at the time that they start accumulating protein to see if we can understand what some of the mechanisms of this increase in protein are all about. And at the end of the day, we're hoping that we might be able to apply those principles to improve the nutritional quality of corn as well.
0: So this covers a wide gamut of of uses uh, for your research. Uh, You mentioned uh, some of the things that we could do environmentally speaking with it, but perhaps on down the road it might also involve nutrition in corn. Uh, If you see what you want to see happen out of your research, what are some of the things we might realize in the future that we don't have right now? Well,
1: that's an interesting question. from, from the perspective of my applications, I'm hoping uh, to be able to make these environmental solutions very, very cost effective so that um, people will use them. Um, the applications in food quality I think would be really helpful in corn because the nutritional content of corn is a little bit... Um, is not perfect for human consumption because it lacks a certain type of nutrient that's really important to human health. And so if we understand better how these proteins are made in corn, maybe it would be much easier to get the nutritional content up to where it needs to be.
0: Here in Arkansas, most of the corn we raise is used for animal feed. Do, does this also relate to livestock nutrition as well?
1: It's not quite as much of an issue for livestock, but anytime you can improve the, the quality of a feed, you're going to improve the quality of the animals that eat it, yes.
0: I think one of the things that's interesting about what you're doing is that you're also working with Dr. Burliant at UALR. How how did that come about that you at ASU and he at UALR are working together on this particular project?
1: That's a great question. And um, I met Dr. Burliant many years ago when I first came to ASU. Um, He participated in a... Uh, series of NSF-funded projects that were looking at um, plant growth and production, and then also um, there is a young man on the facu- on the uh, research faculty there, named Phil Hudson, mm-hmm. who is who does data analysis, you know, computer-based, huge bioinformatics data analysis, and the two of them together had offered to help on any project that we had that came up that involved big data because that's not our expertise. And <clears throat> and so I approached Phil first and asked him about it and then we decided we needed a graduate student at ULR so we got Dr. Burlian involved because Phil is not um, graduate faculty there. So um, the two of them got involved on this project um, how, and they both do big data analysis, so that was a really useful uh, combination. And I had worked with Dan on a project previously um, to do some data mining stuff, and so you know it was a natural fit.
0: So you mentioned really your students are just getting started on this end. Uh, will this be a prolonged research study, or are you looking at a few months or a few years? What do you expect? As this, far as that.
1: Yes, this project is, a, is funded for three years okay. from USDA. Um, I suspect that my two master students will be done within another year and a half to two years. The um, PhD student at ULR has some other outcomes that will be um, that she'll be working on. And I'm not sure how long her project is going to be, we're just getting started on trying to map all of that out. But my students are growing corn in the greenhouse right now and doing some pollinations and as the corn kernels start to develop, we're going to harvest the ears just way in an immature stage and and pull out the embryos and crush them up and isolate. So, RNA and DNA from them.
0: So <laughs> okay. a lot of this is done in a laboratory here at ASU, am I correct? Or All is of it our outdoor? work,
1: no, no, we're in the greenhouse and in the laboratory, okay. so uh, we want to control the pollinations and control right. the harvest dates for the ears and then we're going to um, harvest those embryos and purify out the DNA, RNA and protein and do the experiments on those.
0: I suppose it's safe to say that we're in an age now where we have some new science. It's, it may not be brand new, but to a lot of us it's, it seems new and complicated, but it's helping us learn a lot about not just corn but other crops that we raise too. Is that right?
1: Absolutely. The technology has just exploded in the last 10 years. Um, the The technology or the desire for the type of information that technology can provide drives the technology to be more and more efficient. And so um, the things that we're doing today were not things that I ever thought I would see in my lifetime. So this has been really an exciting time to be a
0: scientist, I think. So, to wrap it all up, if you took a look in your crystal ball, what what do you see happening in this field of research in the next, say, 10 to 20 years? Do you expect us to see a lot of new things coming out that the rest of us probably didn't imagine too? Oh, I'm sure there will be new technologies,
1: but the thing that if I had a crystal ball, I don't know, but if I had a hope ball more than a crystal ball, I would say that I wish that scientists could be more, were more trusted by the general public to do the right thing to help feed the world and cure environmental problems because we have the technology, we know what to do, we can solve a lot of these problems but we've had so much pushback from the public it's been very frustrating. So if we could use the tools that we have in our toolbox, we could certainly make a whole boatload of progress
0: in the next 10 to 20 years. We at Farm Bureau hope that you succeed in in all those efforts, because it seems to me that's all very positive things that are coming out of your research. Thank you, uh, Dr. Hood, for taking time to visit with us on AgCast. We appreciate your input. My pleasure.